0: Welcome to the Westminster Chapel Podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk.
1: To test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind, of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name.
2: So I have the privilege of welcoming up uh, Mike and Sarah to speak to us. During this season, over August, uh, we have uh, a bit of rest, uh, a season called rest, and we often invite some people who don't speak as regularly um, on Sundays to uh, come and join us and speak to us. These two have been amazing to work with and sort of develop this theme and this idea of today's message. They're both deeply theologically uh, sort of thoughtful, but also very, very Spirit-filled in their lives. They've got great experience. They're people that I look up to in the faith of people who've um, been walking with God and knowing how to listen to the Spirit for many years. So I'm, I'm really, uh, it's, it is an honor. Um, as you did last week, uh, when Mike comes up, fair, well, the first person give them a round of applause and then the second person equally give them a round of applause when they come up. Mike is gonna be coming up first, I think. Um, so let's actually, I'll I'll say a quick prayer and then he'll come. Father, thank you so much for your powerful word that transforms us. And that is simply what we're waiting for now. To know by your spirit who rests upon us about Jesus more and more and what he's done. So give these guys the oomph, the unction to speak with power into our hearts and help us to have the ears to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's welcome up Mike to the stage. (coughs) Wow, this
1: is scary. (coughs) I'm just going to put this down a little bit. (coughs) Well, thank you, Andy, for that welcome. Uh, I just want to welcome you all here again this morning. Uh, To all that you've made it despite the uh, traffic problems, and to those online as well, welcome. So uh, my name is Mike, and this is my lovely wife Sarah. We've been married 35 years. We have two sons, Philip and Jack, who are both in their mid 20s. Uh, they they don't live at home at the moment. They're ones in Oxford and ones in Southampton. So we're at home, on our own, with our big ginger cat. And I have to tell you about our cat. He is a very clever cat. He is actually a speaking cat. He actually speaks his name. And the even most incredible thing about that is that he taught himself to do it. So perhaps at this stage i better let you know that his name is Meow. Now, we're talking to you this morning, uh, the fourth in the series uh, on rest. Uh, we've heard about the right kind of rest that God gives. We've heard about the wrong kind of rest that the world offers us. Last week we heard about the kind of rest that we can give to others. And this week the title of our talk is The Kind of Person That God Rests upon, the kind of person that God rests upon. And we're going to do this by considering a verse in 1 Peter 4 um, and verse 14. And this verse reveals an astounding truth, and at the same time, an unexpected truth. And this is the verse, 1 Peter 4, 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Now, whilst all the talks in this series are linked by the word rest, This week's uh, verse is a little different because the word rest here is a verb as of an, an action, the Spirit resting upon, as opposed to the noun rest, which is that state of peace and tranquility and calmness. And that presents us immediately with a little bit of a problem because Peter is writing to a people who are definitely not in a state of peace and tranquility. The verse talks about being insulted for the name of Christ, and if you look at the surrounding verses that were read out earlier, it talks about fiery trials and ordeals. And in fact, the whole letter that Peter writes is about the suffering and persecution that those uh, Christians were facing at the time. So where is the rest in all this? Well, I think perhaps there is rest to be found in this verse, because Peter says, you are blessed. Despite all of the turmoil and the anguish that was going on at that time for these Christians, there was a, a, a place of blessing to be found. <clears throat> And this perhaps illustrates just how different the rest that God gives is to the rest we associate with in our lives. We often think of that place of peace and calm and serenity. Think of of being on holiday. Uh, We're very good with all uh, these props around me. Lying on the beach, uh, no work to worry about, Sunbathing, relaxing in the sun with your martini and lemonade in your hands. But you see, all that is external rest and peace and quiet. You see, all that is outside of you. It does nothing to address an anxious heart. It does nothing to address a hurting heart or a heart that, a soul that needs affirmation. You take those external features away the peace and the quiet and the drink, and you've still got that hurt and pain within your heart. But you see, the rest that God gives is a rest that comes from Him into our hearts, and then, as we heard last week, through our hearts to those around us. It's an internal rest as opposed to an external rest. So despite all their trials and difficulties, Peter is able to say, you are blessed. Well, how is this possible? How is it possible for them to find blessing in such a difficult circumstance? Well, it's possible because of the truth of the last half of that verse. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So I'm going to spend the next few minutes talking about the kind of person that the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon. And then Sarah's going to pick up on the way in which the kind of person that the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon is blessed. So what kind of person does God rest upon? The Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. The second thing to notice about this word, rests, in this verse, the first was that it was a verb, the second is that it's in the present tense. The spirit of glory and of God was already resting upon these people. It wasn't as if the insult and the suffering produced that spirit within these people. It doesn't say when you're insulted, you are blessed because the Spirit and the glory of God will rest on you. No, it's already resting upon these people. And in fact, Peter defines the qualification for God resting upon these people right back in the very first verse uh, and chapter of this letter, which he has written. He says this, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. <clears throat> so it is us. It is us. We are the chosen and elect, disciples of Christ, who have accepted Jesus into our lives. We've heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and we have accepted Jesus into our hearts as Lord and Savior. We are the chosen and elect. It is us who have been sealed by the Holy Spirit <clears throat> and um, that rested upon those believers just as it did on the day of Pentecost, we have received also that same Holy Spirit. The Spirit of glory and of God is resting upon us. We are the kind of people that God rests upon, you and me. And notice here that the Spirit is described as a Spirit of glory. It's the same Spirit that was hovering over the waters of the deep back in Genesis, chapter 1, poised to work in harmony with the Word and God in the creation of the world, from the most immense huge galactic features on a universal scale, right through to the intricate details of the the weave of subatomic particles at the very smallest scale, and embracing all every living organism in between. That same spirit is resting upon us, just as it was hovering over the waters of the deep. It's the same spirit that descended upon Jesus when he was baptised by John in the River Jordan, and the voice of God was heard. He said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That same spirit, that same spirit is resting upon us. It declares over us, you are my beloved sons. You are my beloved daughters in whom I am well pleased. How can this be? But this is it. In whom I am well pleased. It is a spirit of revelation. It is a spirit of truth, of power and a spirit of glory. This is astounding. This is astounding that we have that spirit resting upon us. And yet, here's the extraordinary thing about this verse. And that is, for the most part, we struggle to realize that this is the case. We have difficulty discerning presence of the Holy Spirit and for the most part we tend to ignore it we live we live our lives as if it well we just forget about it and therefore we we miss out on so many of well the benefits of the Spirit of God being present with us and the reason that this happens, I think, is because we fail to think in spiritual ways. We are the kind of people who think naturally instead of spiritually. This is the same problem that Nicodemus had when he came to Jesus uh, one night. Nicodemus was a very highly respected, teacher of the um, of the religious group of that day. Uh, If he'd have been a naturalist, he he would have been the David Attenborough of his day. He was well known, respected, very intelligent, he knew what he was talking about. And yet, when Jesus said to him, You must be born again, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit, Nicodemus, he just really didn't have a clue what Jesus was talking about. Jesus goes on to say, it's like the wind. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going to. And this is exactly like the presence of God resting upon us. He's actually there all the time, all the time. But mostly, we don't realize it until perhaps some situation comes into our lives which sort of rustles the branches of the trees. But while the branches aren't moving, when nothing's happening, then this is the situation where we normally slip into natural thinking. Because nothing's going on, then we, we think that nothing's happening. We start thinking naturally. We think, how, what can I do to do something about this situation? Now, an example of this happened to me about, or oh, several years ago, 10 years it might have been now, but we had a microwave oven, and it had a crack in the door. But my friend down the road, Clive, had a microwave leakage detector. <laughs> it's a little unit like this, plastic unit, with a very sensitive needle uh, in it. And you could hold this in the vicinity of a microwave, and it would tell you if there's any waves leaking from your microwave. Just what I needed. So I held it up against the door of our microwave, <clears throat> and pressed the button, and had a look to see if anything was happening. Nothing. So I thought, OK, maybe I'm not quite positioning correctly. So I put it right up against the crack, and uh, I was looking again really intently, Press the button. Nothing. This is when I started thinking naturally, this isn't working. This, this detector is not working. How can I test this meter? I know, I'll put it inside. There's plenty of microwaves in there. That will make the needle move. So I opened the door, put the microwave detector in, shut the door. There's one of those sort of cloudy, frosty glasses. So I was really looking carefully at the needle because I didn't want to miss it. <coughs> I pressed the button. BANG! There's a bit of an explosion followed by a small fire. <coughs> which melted the whole thing, and it looked rather a bit of a mess. Here here you are, Clive, here's your detector. (laughs) You see, the needle didn't move, so I immediately thought that something was wrong, natural thinking. And it's a bit like this in our lives, when we don't see anything happening in the the situations of our lives, we can begin to think that there's something wrong, Either there's something wrong with us, or there's something wrong with God. We, we begin to, to doubt the presence of God resting upon us. We start to worry. Often, we try to do something about the situation ourselves. We take it into our own hands, as you know, leading to catastrophic results. We actually move from a position of rest to a position of unrest. And now you can see how understanding that the Spirit of God is always resting upon us is key to us entering, to the, entering in to that position of rest that God gives us. We need to be the kind of people who live constantly aware of his presence in our lives, having our thinking constantly shaped by his leading and guiding, spiritual thinking. And in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, as we begin to think spiritually, this plays out in the way that we behave, and we begin to live our lives differently. We begin to live our lives in a way that allows the glory of God not only to reveal himself to us, but to shine through us and so that others around can see it. Now, the problem with this is it's going to attract some people, but it is going to offend others, often leading to insult or persecution or fiery trials or more, as we have read in our verse. But there is a blessing, because Peter says, you are blessed. So, Sarah is now going to to pick up on this second verse. So, how the kind of person that the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon is blessed. Let's just put this back up. Is that high enough? Thanks, Mike.
0: That's excellent. Just getting on my bits. So hi everyone. I'll read out the verse we are focusing on again, which is one Peter chapter four, verse fourteen. Peter says to the Christians, If you insult it because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So I want to give you some background to what was going on here. If we look back at verse 12, we can see that Peter speaks of a fiery ordeal that has come upon the believers. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. The whole letter points to this fiery ordeal being persecution. Commentators believed the persecution was not Christians being put to death, which was to come later when Nero was emperor. But the persecution was in the form of being ostracized in society. These churches Peter was writing to were in Asia and were very much part of the honor-shame culture. So when Peter refers to them being insulted because of Christ, it was serious. It affected your social standing. It meant that you were no longer part of the community. It would have carried economic implications too, as people would, not, people would not have wanted to do business with you. If we have a look at chapter 4, verse 3, Peter addresses believers saying, In the past, you wasted too much time doing what non-believers enjoy. You were guilty of sexual sins, evil desires, drunkenness, wild and drunken parties, and hateful idol worship. Non-believers think it is strange that you do not do the many wild and wasteful things they do, so they insult you. The Christians were now living a different way. Their goodness was shaming the people around them. In turning for their own dark deeds, they were shining the light on the wickedness around them, and people didn't like it. They were offended and wanted Christians conform to their standards. So why were Christians to feel blessed when they were ostracized and excluded for the name of Christ? Well, I'm going to explain three ways why we are blessed. Firstly, we are blessed when the Spirit of God rests on us because this Spirit, the Holy Spirit, connects us to a worldwide family. The Spirit resting on each of us brings us into the body of Christ, which means that we have a connection, a responsibility for each other. Let me share how this can make a difference. I know many of you would get this little. Um, prayer diary from the charity Open Doors. I should mention at this point, there are other prayer diaries (laughs) from other charities such as Teofun, but this is one I get. So, and I can't recommend it enough. Each day you have one prayer for the persecuted church, which can take you as little as five minutes to read the prayer and remember our brothers and sisters worldwide there are many Christians who are persecuted for their faith. This is a testimony that Open Doors shared from a girl in India called Mare. When Mare, her mother and her sister converted from Hinduism, they were excited about their new life with Jesus, but the community was furious. Mare said, they isolated us, hurled heard lewd comments at my sister and me, and shamed us for being involved in elite." activities. They constantly used abusive words and mocked us. One day, Mary was savagely beaten and had to go to hospital. But the persecution didn't end there. The doctors and nurses refused to treat her because she is a Christian. Mary calls, the nurses didn't come with my treatment and stopped all care. My heart was gripped with fear. I thought, how will I survive? Fortunately, the charity Open Doors stepped in and moved her to another hospital and paid for her treatment. Mayor's response to Open Doors was, when everything looked dark, your presence and prayers uplifted my family and me. Surely my cup overflows with blessings. I thank almighty God for you. When thinking about the people that did this to her, Mare wanted to live out the command of Jesus to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. She says, The people who did this to me, I have forgiven them and desire for them to come to know Jesus. The Apostle Paul, when speaking about the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12:26, said, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. We have opportunity now more than any age before to know how our fellow Christians suffer throughout the world. We have opportunity to join with our brothers and sisters in Christ and support them in their suffering through prayer and perhaps with their money. What this means for us is that because the Spirit of God rests on us also, We also benefit from being in the family of God. Being part of chapel means we have opportunity to join a life group where we can support each other in prayer. Or we can seek prayer each week after the sermon. We are not alone. We can uphold each other and help each other. Moving on to the second reason we are blessed when we are insulted is because Scripture makes it clear that suffering is a path to glory. If we look at 1 Peter 4, verse 13, it says, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And Paul in his letter to the Romans says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Peter was encouraging the Christians in in his letter that their persecution meant that they were on the right track. Their persecution was confirming their path to glory. They had aligned themselves with Christ and were witness for him. They were shining the light of the gospel and their good deeds were being seen before men. Although they were being rejected by many, many people were also coming to Christ. So, how can this be applicable to us today? We are fortunate in this country at the moment that we are free to worship as Christians, but there are many other ways that we can be persecuted. A lifestyle can be an offence to people. Perhaps you feel ostracized by your family because of your faith and your commitment to church. Perhaps your family don't like it that you give money to the church or to charities. Or it could be the things we say. It's becoming more and more difficult to speak out about certain issues. Homosexuality or gender, for example. I remember what, um, about eight years now when I was a youth leader and they begun to start talking about the fact that gender was fluid, or that was what was being taught at school. And now we see the transgender debate is huge, with people confused as to how to answer what is a woman. So how do we respond when people speak to us about these contentious issues or insult us for our faith? Peter tells us what we should do. Reading from 1 Peter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. We can bless people as Peter encourages us. Instead of responding in kind and insulting people back, we can behave differently, counterculturally, and pray a blessing on these people, asking God to reveal Himself to them to show His love. And we can reflect God's love to them by the way we continue to behave towards them. We can afford to be this gracious. We have the spirit of glory and of God resting on us. People are blind and we have the key to bring people into the light. It's good to keep in mind relationship. How will my response enhance their chances of seeing Christ through me, or will it be damaging? This does not mean that we shouldn't speak the truth but we should also be willing to listen to their viewpoint so that we can engage with what they are wrestling with. Let's not be easily offended. I do a pub quiz each week with a group of people, most of whom don't have a faith. And a few months ago, one of my quiz team began tearing apart Christianity for various reasons. She was very assertive, but I just answered her respectfully. When she left, the other quiz team members were worried about how aggressive she had been towards me. But I say it was fine. I think it's good to have someone engage with us about the Christian faith. We are the blessed ones. I kept the relationship and I hope I get further opportunities to share my faith. Some of our greatest challenges in life will be our relationships with other people. It's particularly difficult when accusations feel unjust and we have done nothing to deserve someone's dislike. But we can remember God is refining us through these trials. Our sufferings are not meaningless. Remember that we suffer in order that we may share in his glory. It means we are on the right track. We have been set an extremely high standard when we are told to love our enemies and do good to those that hate us, to bless and not curse and to pray for those who ill-treat us. These things are not easy, I know. I had a time when I had fallen out with someone and I was encouraged to pray, pray blessing on them. This, To be honest, this was the last thing I wanted to do. But day after day, I pray blessing on their work, their health, their family, their finances. It's the Holy Spirit who enables us to do this. And our love for God spurs us on to take this action that pleases him. This is how our Father wants us to live. We can think of our persecuted brothers and sisters like Mary, who was able to pray for those who persecuted her. They can be an encouragement to us. We now come to the third blessing that this verse shows. We have already mentioned that if we suffer for Christ, we have become partakers with Christ in his suffering. And this means that we will also partake in his glory. Ere Christ suffered, was insulted, spat upon, but he said not a word. He was crucified, but it doesn't end there. He was raised again on the third day. And there will come a day when he will come back in glory. And because this same spirit of glory rests on you, we will also rise in glory at the end of the age. Peter was trying to encourage the Christians with this, an encouragement for better things and to keep going. So how can this be an encouragement to us today? Do we live in the good of the fact that we rise in glory with our Saviour? Do, do you think about Jesus' return? I confess it's something I don't really think about. I don't know if you saw this news item about a month ago. Um, could we just, yeah, great so uh, yeah so this was on the news about a month ago in australia there was a bright pink sky one evening and this is a picture of it here some people thought that the end of the world had arrived this is what one woman said i was on the phone to my mum and i heard my dad in the background saying i better hurry up and eat my tea because the world's ending (laughs) and mum said What's the point of eating your tea if the world is ending? Another woman said, All these end of the world scenarios were going through my head. The actual truth was that the pink lights were being used to help cannabis plants grow, and the blackout blinds had failed to work that night. I should add that the cannabis plants being grown were for medicinal purposes only. (laughs) So obviously, it wasn't the end of the world. But we as Christians believe that the end of the world will come. And that what day will be when Jesus returns. Jesus reminds us in the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25 to be ready for that day. So I guess the question is, do you feel ready? How would you feel as the end of the world, say, tomorrow? Would you have an excitement? When I was thinking about it, I was thinking... Oh, our son Philip, after studying all these years, wouldn't finish his PhD, and I wouldn't finish my master's, as if those things would matter. (laughs) So how can we be ready? We need to know that the Spirit of glory and God is resting upon us. I would say, if you don't have this assurance that the Holy Spirit is resting on you, then please don't leave it too late. There is no greater blessing than knowing the living God who cares for us, strengthens us, and helps us through every situation. And we have a crown of glory waiting for us. We are called to an eternal glory in Christ. So if you're not sure that you have the Spirit of God within you, please do something about it today. Don't leave it. You won't regret your decision It's not difficult, you just have to say that you accept that Jesus is Lord and you wish for him to be Lord and Saviour of your life. And then please tell someone what you've done so we can encourage you further in your walk with Jesus. This verse in 1 Peter that we're looking at may become more and more important to us as Christians. We may be insulted and ostracised for our beliefs but we need to remember we are blessed. It is a sign that Christ is within us and that we will rise in glory. We can be encouraged because there will be a day when suffering for Christians will end and we will live in an idyllic paradise for eternity. Jesus has already gone to glory. He is waiting for us to join him so what kind of person does god rest upon a blessed person and we have looked at three ways we are blessed we are now part of god's family with brothers and sisters in christ loving each other and supporting each other secondly in our suffering we can reflect god's goodness and nature and bring others to christ and lastly We have the promise of a future glory with our Lord Jesus. Please be encouraged. We are so blessed. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel.